Well, good morning. Today is just an interesting little tidbit. A couple articles. Um, once again, quantum physics seems to be uh, some of the most interesting topics today in science. And um, I just finished typing out a little thing. I said, uh, wish somebody a happy solstice. I mentioned a podcast I did recently. Equanimity, compassion, loving kindness, empathetic joy, non-harm, and shraddha. These have shown to be the heart of all religions, thought, and philosophy since the dawn of humanity. And I go on and posit that uh, entheogens, or psychedelics, unlocked our compassion and intellect once upon a time. Instead of spending all day in fear, as well as being able to connect with another human, right? Remember, we're all living inside of our own little prisons. And with that, I said, with these boundless qualities... We can eliminate delusion or ignorance, attachment or greed, and aversion or hate. And the reason why I mention this, right, attachments, aversions, because here we are, there's this article um, from Quanta magazine. The title is, Physicists Debate Hawking's Idea That the Universe Had No Beginning." Uh, it's not really the really most important part. I mean, they're just arguing <clears throat> what they're saying is what came before the Big Bang. Now, um, if you talk to Hawking, he has one idea. Einstein had another. So, again, this is really not that different from uh, that uh, discussion we talked before about is reality conventional or is it not? And that's exactly how they land on this issue. So they'll say, you can't ask what was before the Big Bang because that's like, what was the, the article used an example? I don't know. Uh, it's not like a chicken or the egg idea because, again, that's not a koan. We've talked about this. Um, there is an answer to that question. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Considering that birds were dinosaurs first, then... Arguably, the egg came first because it took a dinosaur to lay the egg that actually hatched as the first chicken. Boom. There you go. There's your answer. In this case, they're saying, well, you can't ask what was before the Big Bang because there was nothing. But at the same time, science does show us, well, when we look at, say, a star going supernova, uh, the fallout is much different from what we see as a universe. So there's one side who believed that there was like empty space, absence of time, absent of time initially, and it expanded from there, from some sort of major event. Others believe that it happened from a little singularity and expanded out from there. But again, as I said, the science doesn't hold this um, because there's some science showing that maybe it wasn't this one single catechism Clismic event, uh, the Big Bang. But where the real problem lies, it's the same idea. Even Schrodinger's cat shows us, um, as, as far as popular opinion, shows us the same confusion. Right? So we have to understand that, well, he actually says it, and let me quote the one article, because the article... Uh, this one here was talking about the beginning. The other one's talking about the quantum um, measurement uh, quandary that we've discussed before. When you try to measure a wave, um, 
once it's observed, it changes. It's really quite weird. They've even developed this experiment. Oh, and if you want to look up this article, uh, this one was from, again, Quantum Magazine. Uh, Quantum Paradox clarifies where our views of reality go wrong. I find it interesting for me because uh, just up the road here in Windsor, we have a uh, quantum physics lab. And they interviewed a number of the physicists. Uh, and so they're talking on this same issue. So again, let me say what I'm talking about. So first it was the Big Bang. What they're saying is, how did it all begin? Some of the scientists are saying we can't know because the beginning was the Big Bang. There was nothing before. Some scientists are saying, well, based on the science, it had to have been a little different from what we're positing here. But there's nobody in between going, well, you guys might both be right. Same as Schrodinger's cat. The idea is... Locked in a box with a vial of poison. Without opening the box, you're unable to determine absolutely whether the cat is alive or dead. So the idea is the answer then becomes the cat is both alive and dead. This is the probability. Right? What becomes confusing, since Schrodinger, we have an absolutely real-life scenario. And what I love about these articles is they're saying we're almost at a point in physics that would be similar to science before um, Einstein's um, theory of, of relativity. Even then, there's some, right? We still have magnetism that needs to be brought into that. But they're saying that we don't have an answer to this quandary. Or do we? So that's what they're asking. And what I love is, again, we have two sides. We have one side who's arguing, well, reality exists. You know, conventionally or not, it exists. And the other side says it doesn't exist, so we can't even talk about it. I, lo I love what they say here. This, uh, I should probably quote who it is. Leifer, Leifer. Um, anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, I could always leave a link to this if you leave a message and you're that interested. But the quote is, quantum mechanics is in a similar situation now, he thinks, right? Pre-Einstein, I couldn't have told you that it was the structure of space and time that was going to change, right? This is what he said um, came about after Einstein's theory of relativity. So he says, it's likely that we are making some implicit assumption about the way the world has to be that just isn't true. I love that. Because once again, we're getting back to this concept. I mean, I just wrote that little uh, paragraph about the Brahma Viharas, right? This boundless energies of, of love and compassion and understanding and equanimity. But a big part of this, and was missed, again, like I said, we spent six hours talking about equanimity, and they missed how these all kind of go together, as well as how they're used to, uh, to eliminate the three poisons of, of delusion, attachment, and aversion. Again, we should be seeing scientists having their shroud of faith, faith, not in the truth, but in the science itself. And this is what I know a long about way to get to, and this is what I'm getting at here. This is exactly what we all need to apply, shraddha. 
faith. Commitment in the prescription. And that's where this fails, right? See, Einstein had faith in science. Even though his theories were unprovable, and some of them still being proved today, he had absolute faith in science, not in his answers or someone else's answers or in some arbitrary truth. Again, science is the chase for truth. It's not the truth. So having faith in science, having faith in the prescription, right? especially when you don't have the answers, that's when you really need to turn to not a Western concept of faith that I will give lip service. No, we're talking about devotion. That's why it's commonly translated in the Gita as devotion as opposed to faith. Because as a Westerner, you say faith, it doesn't hold the same deep meaning. Right? Shraddha is a concept that you devote your every fiber of your being to what you believe. So let's go back again, science. Let's talk about Schrodinger's cat. So this thought experiment is simple, yet it's become incredibly complicated, right? Um, <clears throat> the idea there is there's no answer, but there is an answer. So in a box, there is a cat, locked, well, closed box. In the box is a vial of poison. Uh, the way the thought experiment works is you don't know when the vial is going to break. So at any moment, you have no idea whether the cat is alive or dead. So here's where we apply the proper thought. We've talked about this. This is where the tetralemma comes in, or the great doubt. Right? Chetakoti. Chetiskoti. Depending on how it's pronounced. Again, it's a lost language, so you can forgive me. So you don't arbitrarily decide yes or no, black or white, alive or dead, bang or no bang. The idea is to have faith in the science. But here's where this measurement quandary comes in. Because there is no answer, this is what's making all these physicists run home to their mama. Because... They keep designing, and again, these articles are wonderful because these are recent experiments. Some of them as recent as last year. A number of them were only in 2017. And they keep designing these experiments to prove their own prejudices, their own assumptions. They want to prove what they, be they believe, as opposed to having faith in the science itself and that remaining faithful to the science, that the answers will then come, right? Just like I said, Einstein did not know these were ideas that he just had, and nobody believed him. In fact, a lot of people thought he was crazy, and as I said, still to this day, many of them um, arguably uh, wouldn't even be accepted if, uh, if it was a new idea today. <clears throat> so here we have... I love this one scientist who realizes, and I'll, say it, I'll read it again, it's likely that we are making some implicit assumption about the way the world has to be that just isn't true. <laughs> 
And this is what the Dalai Lama says is needed. We need to combine science and philosophy and religion, compassion, humanity, uh, all into one sort of... Again, we have to have faith, shraddha, commitment. But like science, right? we shouldn't have faith in what we believe or our ideas or our, our uh, math. We need to have faith in the science itself. Right? So in a Buddhist con- um, context, the, the idea here is to have faith in the prescription. Right? So as I've said before, you need to have faith in emptiness. Not that you understand that all things are empty, but you do have to understand that nothing is permanent because everything is changing, it's kind of evolving and shifting and flowing. But you need to understand is exactly what he said. Is that the world, we're making assumptions about the way the world has to be. And because... We're not omnipotent. We can't see all and everything. How arrogant are we to make any assumptions about how anything works? Yet, as we've talked about, we're already starting uh, at a disadvantage because we are experiencing our, our reality secondhand. So, just like the scientists... Right? We can't have faith in, oh, well, you know, I'm real, myself's real, this I want, and he wants. The idea is to have faith in the prescription itself, to understand that it's this construct of the self, this selfishness, this self-centered universe that is at the heart of this dissatisfaction that we all feel. But, again... When we keep talking about self, we're making a major uh, mistake because we're accidentally reinforcing the same. This is why I argue upeka, upeksha, equanimity, to be arguably one of the most important concepts here, right? Because why do you need to eliminate ignorance or delusion? Why do you have to reduce attachment or aversion? Yes, it provides you with some relief, some sucker, some, uh, some, uh, well, I have to be careful of the words I choose. Gives you a little respite from the dissatisfaction that is this existence we live in. But neither here nor there. The problem lies, problem lies when we keep talking about eliminating the self and we keep working on us. See, I've gone and done a full 360 here, and you're actually listening to it as well. So I went and spent decades working with the Brahma Viharas and the Bodhicitta. Bodhicitta being all sentient beings uh, are suffering, and I vow to liberate them, right? So you, you apply your, your metta, your loving kindness, and your karuna, your compassion. You apply that to all beings in an equanimous... That's really quite a mouthful, ain't it? Uh, in, in a equanimous, nimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnimnim
earlier, and I even said it, that consider my religion to be more like looking for a way to reduce all of our suffering, but not in a friendly sort of way, knowing that we're all, again, we're making these assumptions about the way the world has to be, and that just isn't true. We need a slap uh, to wake up, but you're talking made me realize that it's quite possible that it's the uh, upeka, the equanimity that might be at the heart of this idea. Right? When you start to see yourself as no better, no different, equal to uh, all other beings, and there's something to be said, some traditions that believe that all um, dharma, all phenomena, all like even rocks and trees, have uh, have this same life force, right? Some people make fun of that because it's well, trees. Come on, well, it's not. It's it's an idea, in my opinion, obviously. But it's well, it's more than just a little opinion. But the idea that it's not just people, again, it's, it becomes special because, again, if you share this loving kindness, the ahimsa, the no harm, to just people, again, you're reinforcing how special you are. Yes, Buddhism makes that mistake itself when it talks about how lucky we are to, to be uh, a sentient being. But I think we missed an important aspect here that it's trying to teach us that um, I mean, I love the Shinto idea that when we pass, uh, we're we're more recycled than than a reincarnation, right? Our energy gets put back into the great reservoir. Kind of the idea of the Christians when they talk about that uh, you know water contains uh, you know a little bit of everybody that came before. That same idea, right? Uh, if, if you to think, you take out a glass of water from a, a giant reservoir, is, is it your glass of water? Is the water in that glass different? And when you pour it back in to the reservoir and take another cup, is that cup different than the previous? This is the idea of of equanimity, right? That that cup is different. That's your cup. That water is not the same as the water in the reservoir, but at the same time, it is no different. That's this label that we're applying. That's the idea that we're trying to achieve here. So when it comes to the, the measurement quandary in, in quantum physics... Uh, what bothers them is they'll, absent of an observer, they'll measure something. There's a few that can uh, cause this to happen. Waves. Uh, but then once observed, the same measurement um, is it, different. So this is why, as I said before, science needs to have faith in science and understand that, again, in these experiments, you read these articles, they do experiments about coin flips. 
And they say, well, if Susie flips a coin and gets heads, that means Bob should get tails. But that's what we're talking about here. You need to use the Schrodinger cats um, example and understand that it can be both. It can be neither. All at the same time. That's the great doubt, right? In science, until you know, and even then, until you know the answer, you're running blind. You can have faith in science, but you can't have faith in your 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 uh, your assumptions. Same uh, with just about anything, but in particular now Buddhism. You're not wrong. You are walking around this earth a little bit different than others, this collection of aggregates, but it's like that cup of water that you pulled from from a, a giant uh, vessel. Right? Yours is separate from the great reservoir, but if you were to mix your water back and take another, once again, you do have a new collection, but is no different than the, the whole. But on that, have a lovely day.